Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from the Florida Keys. And if you're a first-time listener, the Keys bartender podcast is about lifestyle in the Florida Keys, bartending, and life in general. On today's episode, this rainy, rainy day in Key Largo, we'll be talking about the margarita and about traveling up to the mainland to catch a plane or go on a cruise or anything, anything with time constraints. And you all understand why I'm saying it's more important when you're leaving than coming back. Depend, you know, more time constraints. But we'll talk about that in a moment. Also, um, I just want to talk about the weather. This is, we get about three or four spates of rainy runs of weather. And this is what we're looking at right now, about four or five days of very rainy weather. It's very sad for, you know, the people that just come down here to shoot for special short-term holidays or long-term holidays, whatever you have. You only have a couple days free. And if it's raining down in the Keys, there's not a lot you can do other than what the locals do. And you know what the locals do when it's raining? They drink read books, watch TV, pretty much what everyone else does in the rest of the country when they're not taking advantage of, well, obviously they're not outside because of the weather. I wanted to talk about the margarita. And the interesting about a margarita, there's three key components to it. You have tequila, fresh lime juice, and orange liqueur. There they go. Now, from those three ingredients... There is a slew of different mixes and ratios and flavors and different types of tequilas. But the the amazing thing about the margarita is that no one could put their finger on the origins of it. There's There's not one origin story for the margarita. And it kind of proves the old adage. I think it was Joseph Kennedy said, A victory has many fathers. And defeat has uh, defeat is an orphan. So, but the margarita being a very successful cocktail, uh, it goes back. Some people say 1938, but I think most people kind of agree that it was sometimes in the 40s, uh, 38, 48, whatever. But I'll go over some of it. The oldest one was Carlos Herrera, and he was in Mexico. And he made a cocktail for a beautiful uh, showgirl for the Zigfield Follies. That's it, Zigfield Follies. And she could only consume tequila, so he constructed the margarita. That's one story. And then another one, it goes back to 1942, is Francisco Morales, also known as Pancho, in Juarez, Mexico in a bar called Tommy's Place. And a woman asked for a magnolia. And when he was constructing it, the only thing he really could remember was Cointreau, which is the orange liqueur, and he improvised the rest of it. And then we have 1948, we had Santos Cruz in Galveston, Texas. And he made it for a singer named Peggy Lee, who was a famous singer. And she was singing at his bar. And he modeled it after a sidecar 
with equal parts tequila, Cointreau, and fresh lime juice. And then there is another story about Enrique Gutierrez, and he created it for Rita Hayworth. And Rita Hayworth's birth name was Margarita Carmen Dolores Cancino, and she was born in Tijuana. And then there's a there's a, another story about a Danny Negrette and a Margaret Sams. Now, even though you have all these different stories and you know claims that where the margarita was created, it's possible that people constructed all these things, came up with an idea because it is kind of a a perfect mix for tequila. It's possible that they were developed with other people not knowing because there are. Uh, when the the airplane was developed, there were several people working on airplanes, or, or the invention of airplanes, and so there, I wouldn't discredit the idea that someone didn't come up with it without knowing anything about it. But today, when you find margaritas wherever you go, you can find a slew of different variations on it. You can find them on the rocks, straight up, chilled, frozen. Now, flavors, you have strawberry, orange, watermelon, passion fruit, apple, peach, mango, jalapeno, cranberry. It, the list goes on and on. Virtually for any pumpkin margarita. You can find a pumpkin margarita. I'm sure there's someone in Thanksgiving uh, doing a pumpkin margarita. I don't necessarily think it's maybe the, the best use of the pumpkin, but who knows. And there's different colors too you can make it red for the watermelon or you can make a blue margarita just for substituting the orange liqueur making it blue carousel and Cointreau triple sec and uh, are all are both carousels so blue carousel makes a margarita blue and with um, all those other stories I mentioned about the people that discovered the one thing, even though they don't agree on the date and the person that invented it, it was Cointreau. It wasn't necessarily the 100% blue agave blanco tequila, which pretty much a preponderance of bartenders and authorities say when you're constructing the classic margarita, you're going to use 100% blue agave tequila. But they all pretty much agree with the Cointreau. Now, when it comes to uh, that, I suggest it it just has to be the way you're tailoring your margarita to the budget. Because you can use almost any te white tequila or gold tequila, really. That's what, unless you're using a really super high end. I was, And uh, I'm going to talk a little about sour mix and things like that. You can uh, you can make a margarita with añejo añejo tequila, gold tequila like Cuervo Gold. You can make it with a tequila uh, with a little mezcal to give it a, a smoky flavor. Now just now this is what I understand. I'm not the source of it, but from what I heard from people that are experts, all tequilas are mezcals, but not all mezcals are tequilas. I'll let you decipher that a bit, a bit. And the disagreements for the construction of margarita, there's a lot of them. 
a lot of disagreement. It's like I said, 100% blue agave tequila, but some other people may say yeah, it doesn't really matter. They're sour mix instead of using 100% fresh lime juice. There's, yeah, I call it kind of like the uh, Taliban bartending Taliban says you can't make a margarita with that. You can make a, you got you can make a margarita almost out of anything. Any when I say anything, a fruit juice. Usually you want to go to one of those. You can make it with lemon juice if you don't have this uh, uh, lime. You can make it with orange juice. Will it taste like a margarita? Yeah, they'll start tasting as long as you have the tequila and the orange liqueur. Now, if you are going for a more premium margarita, you definitely want to stick to the basics and the more pure form of it. Because if you're going to spend, if you're going to spend like sixty dollars or a hundred dollars on a pot of the tequila, why don't you spend like fifty dollars on your orange, you know, on your orange liqueur, which would be Cointreau. And, but once we get off that, like I said. You have that. So the classic margarita, a lot of people will stick to the three parts. One part tequila, one part Cointreau, and one part lime juice. And then you could build it out from there. You could raise the tequila, drop the Cointreau, and stick with the lime juice and things like that. And at the end of the show, I'm going to tell you about my chosen way to make a premium margarita and then I'll go to the basic one also so it's a big tent all these different margaritas can fit under it right you have frozen margaritas when you have a frozen margarita I have a tendency to say you go a little lighter on if, if you were going to put in sour mix you would just go pure lime juice and a little agave nectar here we go. I'll talk about the construction of a basic one at the end. And it also can go for a skinny margarita, too. What a skinny margarita is basically not having any agave, nectar, or any type of sugar in it. You could put like some kind of sweetening substitute in it. And uh, if you go to a, a place, there's different glasses that you can use. I use a graduated step-down glass. You can... Uh, it's called a coupe, and you can put a salt rim on that. I like for salt, and I think I can mention it without giving my um, away my recipe. The thicker the salt, the better. Not rock salt. I'm talking like kosher salt or sea salt that has a nice grain to it. You don't want to use that fine kind of Morton salt on a margarita, unless that's to your taste. And you always can go with, like I said, it's either chilled up on the rocks or frozen. And you'll find them all different places and you'll see a hundred different uh, recipes for it. And they're all good according to their taste, what taste you have. So I'm moving on now. I want to talk a little about travel for the holidays down here. Now coming into the Keys... As coming out, there's two main roads. We got Overseas Highway and we have Cardstown Road. But once you get into the Keys, there's one main road, and that's Overseas Highway. So if you're arriving here, 
there's no normally time constraints as if you're when you're leaving and if you're leaving and you're just driving out you may just not want to take heed to this section but I'm talking about how to prepare when you're leaving especially when you're leaving from a place like Key West when you're leaving Key West you got to think of the length of the keys there's 43 keys that are linked by overseas highway by 43 bridges and any at any way point along the way, if there's a serious accident, that will cause you a dramatic increase in the time it gets here. And the best of times from Key West to Miami International Airport, it's three to three and a half hours. And that's with no interruptions. And if there's Remember, there's very few, there's short, um, different detours you could take around an accident, maybe. But there's no alternate route until you get up to North Key Largo, and then you have Cardstown Road and Overseas Highway. And then you have those two options there. But until then, if there's an interruption between, that could add serious amount of time to your leaving. And, you know, for airports, unless you're budget doesn't really care whether you know you can have money to burn and say I'll just rebook if I'm late you know but for most people on a tight budget you just want to make your plan and get the one the ticket you paid for already unless you have a very understanding airline and from what I understand since COVID they're not very flexible as they used to be or if they ever were so as I said if you get an accident and if this is an accident with a fatality, you could be waiting hours and hours because they totally locked down that road. Now, what they try to do is do a bypass on some of those roads, and but it seriously slows it down. Seriously slows it down. It can add three hours to your trip. And there's also an option. There's one drawbridge, and that's Snake Creek in Alamorada. If that bridge is open, and get stuck, which it has in the last two to three weeks. I don't have to tell you how long it would take because obviously however long it's open, that'll be the time. You are not going anywhere without a helicopter or one of those James Bond submarine cars that come in or boat cars that Franklin Roosevelt drove. You are not going anywhere. That's the only way to get from Almorada to Tavernier. So when you're planning these stuff, especially from the Southern Keys, if you really want a really great option from the Southern Keys, there's an airport in Key West, Key West International Airport. And it's a, flights there are a little pricier, but if you consider the amount of time you have to travel, if you're flying into Key West and your main destination is Key West and you don't really care to see the sights on the way as you go south through the Keys, which I have to say, there is nothing like on a beautiful day driving south and going over several of our long bridges. We have a seven-mile bridge. We have other bridges that are close to a mile. And you just see the beautiful blue Florida uh, Bay. On the other side, you see the Atlantic Ocean abutting the Caribbean Sea. And it's just gorgeous. It's just gorgeous 
say. But if you if you don't have to do that, if you don't have to see it, you fly directly into Key West and you don't have to deal with any of that. Now, for the rest of us, when you're going up to Miami or Fort Lauderdale, and I said already, it's three, three to three and a half with no traffic going to Miami. Add an extra half hour to go to Fort Lauderdale. And I'm not even considering any traffic that you might run into in Miami or Fort Lauderdale. But the nice options in those scenarios, once you get to the mainland, there's a lot of detours you can do. Do you want do you want to do them? No, but you have the option of detouring to another one. What I do, and it's a sensible, I think it's a sensible thing, is I add the amount of buffer time that I'm willing to uh, sacrifice. I always add two hours. Two hours what I would normally do. If I normally arrive an hour and a half before a flight, I would arrive, arrive you know, plan on arriving about three and a half hours. Yeah, I can't. I don't. I don't like being. Re, I haven't had to rebook because I was late or things like that. Other people are more adept at that, and I really don't enjoy that. So, and on an international flight, I do four hours. So, that I'm yeah, I'm really early for an international flight. But there's a lot of things that can happen on an international flight. You should always check, make sure you you know you should take your time to make sure you have the things you really need for an, an international flight. Besides that, you know, all your your documentation, your credit cards, and your essentials for travel. But there is no way, there is no way I would sacrifice a trip <clears throat> for just a couple hours that I could just give up. I had a friend I used to drive to the airport in Philadelphia, and she... It wasn't a girlfriend. It was actually friends. I became his wife. But she would arrive about 20 minutes before or 30 minutes before the flight would uh, leave. And this was uh, a little over 20 years ago. And I'm thinking, holy crap. Oh, no, it was about 25 years ago, in the late 90s. And this is before the big security uh, issues of after 9-11 stuff like that but still she didn't give us any time for a flat or for traffic or anything like that and well, I would have been happy when I offer a ride to her to go to the airport but she was she did not want to spend any time in the airport and I can see that if you really hated airports I wonder why you're even flying now obviously if you're driving someplace all you're doing is whatever time you're delayed that's the delay in your time that you're driving home so it's no issue. That's the reason why I talk about that. Okay. On to the last thing, and it's my margarita tip. For my margarita, there's a three-step process for it. There's the budget margarita. If you're making margaritas for tons of people, I don't care if it's a, a, a cheap gold, a cheap... Blanco, which is white, clear tequila. I use a triple sec and sour mix and Rose's lime juice if you need it. A lot of people eschew Rose's lime juice, saying that's garbage and stuff like that. But, you know, if you have to make it, if you don't have time to squeeze the limes and, and you're just making it for a big event, you, you know, it's nice to make craft cocktails. 
It really is. But fresh lime juice, you got to be really committed in freshening that lime juice, uh, squeezing it, freshening it, squeezing that lime juice, uh, adding the agave nectar and doing all those things. And obviously when you're making uh, with the sour mix and the, the ingredients I told you, what you do is you you put in your ice first, whatever glass. And normally I make it into a, like an imperial pint glass. People say that's not a margarita glass, but it's easy to hold. In a crowded atmosphere, you could get the traditional margarita glass that looks like a big rounded martini glass. And you may get a big rim on that. Yeah, that's nice. But with the glassware, if you're doing it for a bunch of people, the the imperial pint glass that works out about 14.4, you take a lime, you run it along the rim. And when I say lime, a wedge of lime. Hopefully it's juicy. And you run it on that rim. And then you take, you have a plate of salt, coarse salt. And you take the glass, you dip it in there. And that, there you go. Now, a lot of people, I have this dispute with people, they mix the mar- the margarita in the glass and then they dump it in the mixing cup and then they take the wet margarita glass and stick it in the salt and what that ends up doing to your salt is making it clumpy and after like two or three margaritas when you stick a wet margarita glass into that salt will just ruin it for you so if you just use the lime on it and you don't make it all sloppy wet. You can use that for maybe 50 or 100 margaritas. Now, not every margarita. If you're making it for someone else, they may not want salt. So make sure you ask for salt. So what I do is I have the salted glass. If I'm making a margarita without salt, I'll mix it all together in that pint glass. I'll put ice in first, then tequila, then sour mix, then lime juice, and... I could put a squirt of agave nectar if I want. And people say, the purists will say, that's horrible. And it's usually, for me, two ounces of tequila, three quarters of an ounce of triple sec, and about three quarters of an ounce of lime. Now, if I'm using a really good tequila, what I take is one of those coupe glasses, do the same thing with the salt, but mix and mixing it differently. What I do is the two ounces of tequila and three quarters to an ounce of Cointreau and an ounce of lime juice and a bit of agave nectar so it's not so sour. Now for both of these and also for, I don't get too many skinny frozen margarita because I'll talk about the frozen margarita after this, but if you want to make it skinny, all you do is you don't put sour. You always use fresh lime juice, right? And you can use either a sugar-free agave nectar or some sweet and low or stevia or whatever the yellow Nutri-Sweet is. In, and you mix it up there and shake it really well because that stuff kind of has a tendency to sit in the bottom of the glass. And I told you with the skinny margarita, you would just, you know, Make that, and then you give it, you can make it a little, uh, so it's not too strong for some of these people. I hit it with a splash of club soda, so they know it's a skinny margarita. Otherwise, 
you don't have to do anything else to make a skinny margarita. Now for a frozen margarita, this is where experience takes it. You want to take it so when you're filling up uh, the blending cup, you want to have about one third of a quarter up to a quarter, uh, a quarter to one third of the ice exposed, not under the, the solution. So whatever you're going to make, you're just going to put that much ice and you're going to put that much tequila underneath. And rarely do, the, at a big party, it kind of behooves you to make multiple margaritas at the same time. Not do that one in a time thing, like I told you about in the previous episode. And obviously, since you're not, you're using a blending cup, you don't have to, you know, mixer. You don't have to uh, worry about the salt on the glass or, you know, taking, making sure you don't dip it because you're going to, if it's salt, you're going to run the lime on the rim. Take that lime, make sure it's nice and kind of wet with the lime juice and dip it in the salt. You can also, if you're never sure about, if you're making it for someone and you don't know if you want salt, you can put one, you just put half the glass and make sure the salt's on the outside because the person say, I don't like salt. I just say, drink it from the other side. If they like lots of salt, then you got to go to town with it. And that's pretty much it for Margarita now on the show today. I'd like to thank you for listening. I will be back later on in the week. And I'll talk to you later. Take care and keep your, I guess we, I was going to say keep your margarita dry and stuff like that. But, you know, there's no such thing really. So a dry, mar- oh, a dry margarita would probably have a little less, will have less agave or sweetener in it. I didn't mention simple syrup because if you don't have to use simple syrup, don't add sugar. Don't add sugar to it because if you're going, if you're going to add a simple syrup to something, there's more likely using sour mix and there's plenty of sweetener and sour mix if you're going to use it. And I'm not one of those people. I won't frown upon it if if you used a sour mix. It's just you should if you're making a frozen margarita with sour mix, make sure it's a really thick sour mix. Make it super sweet because in a blender it gets kind of diluted. So you just don't want to have it overpowered. I'll talk to you later. Have a great day. This is the Jim the Keys bartender out.